and welcome to episode 53 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is the Grand Master of Nothing. That's not me. <laughs> 53. I, I don't know who you're talking about, Rob, but I'm I am... Uh, you, dude. I am John McCarroll, editor-in-chief of RPGFan.com. Cool, cool, cool. And we also have the man, the music, the lover... Stephen Taylor's on the boards. Okay, so. dot net. It's dot com. It's dot com. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about half the We're time. We're talking about a flash video from like hundred years, years ago. ago. All right, all right. Why don't we talk about Persona? Because I'm sure everybody wants to know about Persona. I'm sad that Derek couldn't be here tonight because he and I have very differing opinions about big chunks of the Vita version of uh, uh, Persona Four also known as Persona 4 Golden. Could they invite... But, wasn't it The Golden in Japan? Yes, it was. And okay, I still so they, think that was a bizarre... They, I, they cut it from the North American version so that it doesn't sound like English. Yeah, that, that's a... I was like, why would they even use that pronoun? It's not like that pronoun exists. All right, so tell us a little bit about Persona 4, uh, which was probably... Uh, I would say my favorite RPG of the PS2 era. Clearly, you did not play enough of um, DDS. I know, I know, I know, I know. I was actually going to look at, I was looking at my PS2 collection trying to find a really, really crappy and obscure game. But I, I'm coming up at a loss. Evergrace. Ooh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, coming out, um, by the time you hear this, we're, it comes out tomorrow when we're recording this. Uh, Atlas Wolf released Persona 4 the Golden or Persona 4 Golden for Vita, which is an enhanced, uprezzed, whatever you want to call it, version of Persona 4. Um, it's got everything you like about Persona. It's got social links. It's got um, yellow. It's got combat. No? It's got Teddy. Yeah, I. The, the core game is exactly what you come to expect. It's a top-notch RPG that really balances well uh, dungeon crawling and, and story in the form of social links and building up your character by going and doing stuff and all that kind of living the life of a high school student who just happens to fight demons inside of a television. Which, which can I just break in real quick there? Please, RPG developers, please do more of this. Like, I'm getting sick and tired of the one thing, the one interaction that I have in a video game, an RPG, is shooting things or, you know, combat. I, I think it's really cool to, like, make decisions and talk to people. Like, that's one of the reasons I like Mass Effect is, like, you go around and talk to people and then mm -hmm. have it. Yeah, yeah I know. talk to people. They'll be like, this is where the cars live. Get you some. This is where the cars live. Get you some. Get you one. <laughs> You're going to catch a rod! Oh, my God. Is that is that not the interaction that you're looking for? I'm looking for something a little bit deeper. I'm looking for uh, my social link <laughs> with uh, with Mad Moxie to increase a little bit. I gotcha. I can't make I know where you're going from. Oh, you God. You want, like, the nurse social link from Persona 4. <laughs> Which, yeah. apparently, I missed, and I probably should have been involved in. <laughs> Well, it's it's funny because it's it's disguised as the most mundane thing. It's like you can be a janitor at the hospital, and you'd be like, "Why would I want to be a janitor at the hospital?" And it's because you get to sleep with a slutty nurse. What? God, why did I not well, pay attention? Now, when that game comes out, I know what I need to do. 
Oh boy. So now, uh, just to just to ask a quick question, I know in uh, Persona Three Portable they added the female protagonist. They didn't do that in this one, right? Right, but there are lots more minor additions. It it it's kind of like I can't call it Persona Three Fest because Fest was an expansion pack. It's like but, an internet, like Final Fantasy International or something. It, I'd say it goes even further than that. Like okay. it, it's got a lot of new content, but none of it is as sweeping as the female protagonist in P3P. You have lots of extra scenes. You have lots of extra persona. You have two extra social links um, in the form of Marie, who is an amnesiac girl, who also gives you one of the new gameplay elements, which are skill cards. And then you actually have a social link with Adachi, which if you've played Persona 4, you know why that's a little bit odd. But it's I don't got... Know why it's odd, but... Yeah, you don't know why it's odd, but it's... Is that as odd as I think it is? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so it's... You know, this this guy's the the assistant of the police or of of you know your uncle Dojima, so it's it's just kind of an, an odd little social link. But uh, so there's uh, where was I? So there's changes to shuffle time, which you have much more control over the cards that you pick up, and you can level up much more efficiently and uh, skill cards, which I mentioned, allow you to take any skill that you have a skill card for and assign it to a persona. So you can be like, oh, my Black Frost needs to know how to cast wind spells. I'm going to give him whatever wind spell. So there's lots of new stuff going on, and all of the additions are fun, if not balanced, which I will talk about a little bit later. Do they play with your expectations at all if you played Persona 4? Like, do they do they do any, like, changes to story beats or anything to just... Well, so, like I said, there are additional scenes. Um, your character gets his motorcycle license really relatively early on in the game after, like, the third dungeon. And that gives you more places to go. And you can buy costumes to wear in battle. So, like, my uh, my Yosuke and main character are wearing, like, tuxedos, whereas... <laughs> uh, uh, Chie is wearing like this old style kung fu outfit, and it, it's got lots of cool new stuff. Like, it's definitely worthwhile for you to play, even if you've already played Persona Four to Death, because there are lots of new scenes, and it's really cool to kind of of see these extra things going on. And there's some extra anime sequences as well, which is nice. As opposed to Persona Three Portable, which cut out the anime sequences, if I remember. Right. Because the Vita is more powerful than the PlayStation 2 in regard in most senses, it's got a higher resolution screen, it's got, you know, a multi-core processor and all that kind of stuff. It it can take a full-on PlayStation 2 port, which I would like to see more PlayStation 2 games released on the Vita developers. <clears throat> Shadow Hearts. That's don't, never don't, don't shut me down. That's never gonna happen. Just don't do dude. it. Don't That's take not, this away from me. Like it's it's never going to happen. The rights to that game are owned by a company that produces pachinko machines. Yeah, I'm you guessing that say that Shadow Hearts and I are never getting back together. Only if you play it on the PlayStation Two. I'm guessing that like one dude bought those rights at a yard sale. Like it's not even that pachinko company anymore. It's like some dude was just like, huh, what the hell's this? He bought a game and like the rights are actually inside of it. That, that's the instruction booklet. Yeah, I should probably go check. <laughs> I should probably go check my uh, my copy of Covenant and see if I have the rights to Shadow Hearts right now. Oh gosh. So, arcade um, release of Phantom Dust would be fantastic. We we've talked about that before. I know, but don't don't just just go on, move on. All right. So that's the basics of Persona 4 Golden, and it's 
it doesn't feel like a brand new game, but it does have enough that's different that's fresh for players to play. On the other side of the coin, there is some stuff in Persona 4 Golden that I personally don't find appealing. Uh, Derek's review is now live on the website. You can take a look at that. Derek is much more fond of the game than I am. Um, And I say that in the sense that he thinks it's a 98 and I think it's like a 90. Like, we both think it's a great game. I just feel like a lot of the new stuff messes with the balance because all the Shin Megami Tensei games, and even though the original Persona 4 was probably one of the easiest ones, they have strategy that's required and they have, they keep you engaged by providing at least relative difficulty in most battles. I feel like by the time you get in, I don't know, maybe 15 hours, the changes to shuffle time and to the addition of skill cards make it so that you don't have to fuse persona as often. Literally, I've used three persona and I'm 30 hours into the game. I used Izanagi through the first five dungeons. I use Black Frost now. And if I need to cast Hama or Mudun, like the the insta-kill light and darkness spells, I have a persona specifically for that. And I, I literally don't think that I'm going to need to use any other persona other than Black Frost until the end of the game. And That's it's frustrating. Wonky. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems like what they did is they went in and they said, okay, we're going to add all this stuff, but they didn't check to make sure that it, you know, it jived well with what already existed. Yeah. So the changes to shuffle time are probably the biggest impediments here skill cards not so much it like you can go and say oh i want to give this crazy ability to this this persona that shouldn't have it but that's not what's so broken so there are lots of new kinds of skill cards or not skill cards i'm sorry there are lots of new kinds of shuffle time cards so you get um shuffle time cards that literally just level up your persona that increase your persona stats that Uh, level up the abilities on your persona. So if you have Bufu, it changes it to Bufula. And if you have Bufula, it changes it to uh, Mabufu. Or I I think I've got my my prefixes and suffixes messed up. But it takes the skills up one level. So my my Izanagi had, uh, I think it was Miragidine. So the most powerful... Fire spell cast on everyone like four dungeons into the game, which that's a skill that you usually wouldn't get until kind of the tail end of everything. So you get really powerful really quickly, but it only affects the main character because those those cards don't go on to NPC's persona. Hmm. It sounds like they've I mean. I like the Persona, the Persona series, and I, I'm starting to like SMT more the, the more I play them. But like, one of my big complaints, and John would sit here and wag his finger at me and go, "Well, that's pers- that's SMT. Why are you playing it if you don't like it?" I got really annoyed playing Nocturne, having to make and fuse new personas, and the whole meta game that would take off there. And okay, I want to fuse these two personas together. Oh, wait a minute, they don't have the right abilities. Okay, exit out. Try it again. Uh, I still don't have the right abilities. Exit out. Try it again. Oh, now they got the right abilities. Like well, I, I don't like that meta game. It, it's it, very random to me and obnoxious. So they've fixed. They've actually fixed your complaint with that in Persona Four. And I don't remember if this was in the original Persona Four or not. But when you they, fuse they, two, they've started changing that since. 
I think since Digital yeah. Devil Saga when, 2. When you fuse to Persona, um, you can choose. You have, okay, here are all the powers that these Persona have. Your new Persona can inherit three of them. What do you want to give your person, your new Persona? Okay, that, that mitigates my problem that was with Nocturne, but okay, okay, so it, continue. But, but that, again, adds into the fact that these Persona are incredibly overpowered comparatively. If I can fuse a new Persona, and even if it's, if it's got these abilities, I still have this other Persona over here. No, that other Persona has more powerful abilities, so if I fuse them together and get a new Persona that has those abilities, but it doesn't have the stat-ups that I've been collecting throughout. So the Izanagi that I abandoned for Black Frost still has higher overall stats across the board than my Black Frost that I've been leveling for the past 10 levels. Because if he, oh, I forgot to mention the other major change to the, uh, the shuffle time system. Uh, instead of just having like one card you select and it being, okay, here are the cards. We're going to flip them over and shuffle them in a crazy way. You just see them all. And they all have really obvious abilities. It's like, okay, this one does this, this one does this, this one does this. Some persona or some, some of these cards have negative effects. So you have a card that says you're not going to get any experience for this battle. But you can select three more cards. So if you have Persona level up, Persona magic up, and Persona endurance up, but get no experience, I'm going to take that get no experience card and level up that Persona because it's going to do more for me in the long term. Wow. Additionally, additionally, if you get all of the, the, the cards in the shovel time, your next battle, no matter how it ends, unless it's in your death, you get a shuffle time. And you get three cards off the bat. So what this means is in most cases, you can have shuffle time like 30 times in a row. Which is how you get your persona incredibly powerful, incredibly quickly. Hmm. Huh. So I, I feel like if if it didn't have the shuffle time where it gave you an, an automatic shuffle time with additional cards the next battle, things would have been more balanced. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like... It's just weird that they... Like, I, I could see, like, that gives you more options, but it's like, if it sort of negates the need to bother getting new demons? I don't know. Like I, I said, it, it's... You know, it it's weird because usually you're like, oh, I want this new demon because I need something that's, you know, not weak to wind and has fire. Well, I've got my Black Frost, and my Black Frost is not only not weak to anything, it absorbs fire and ice. Uh, well. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I can't really justify what they're doing there. I mean, uh, it could be I, it could be a case of they wanted to add some stuff to the game, and like Steven was saying at the very start, they didn't check to make sure that, oh, everything is working together the way it should. Now, I haven't played on the higher difficulties yet. Uh, I started on normal because usually a Shin Megami Tensei game on normal is a relatively difficult game. And when I say relatively difficult, I mean it's not put your guys on auto battle and go, you know, make a sandwich. I do like sandwiches, I, though. I do like sandwiches. They're very tasty, especially with sourdough bread. Oh, good call. But I feel like if you are listening to this podcast and you really like Shin Megami Tensei games and you feel like the challenge is good in the average Shin Megami Tensei game, you should probably play the Golden or Golden on hard, just straight off the bat, 
because normal is pretty easy. You still get those, oh, crap, this is Shin Megami Tensei moments where an enemy, you know, casts whatever spell twice in a row and you die. But that's going to happen even if you're playing on very easy. But overall, you are happy with the game, correct? Yeah, like I said, I wish that Derek were here because he's much more passionate about the game. I feel like it's an amazing game. It's done lots and lots of things right. And if you own a Vita, you need to get this game. I just feel like there are some of the enhancements that don't enhance the game. They're kind of detrimental. But there are other changes to the game that are significant enhancements. So it's it's kind of like you're gaining something, but you're losing balance. When you say that everybody should pick this up if they have a Vita, what else would they be buying if they had a Vita? Gravity VLR, Rush. VLR, Gravity Rush, which, by the way, just totally going off the path here, if you're a uh, PlayStation Plus user and... Uh, Don't get your free games. Yeah, the Gravity Rush, Uncharted, Wipeout, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics for PSP, um, and then... Um, Mutant, uh, Jet Set Radio and Mutant Blobs Attack are all going to be free on PlayStation Plus. In other words, you're going to get a crap load of awesome games. That free stuff is only for like a month, though, right? No, that free stuff no, is for, for as long as you subscribe to PlayStation Plus. <laughs> yeah. So, so as long as you buy it when it's available for free, it's yours for free as long as you have PlayStation Plus. Oh, my God. And even if you unsubscribe and resubscribe, you still have all the free stuff that was on your account. I want to play Tactics again so bad with a good translation because it's so much better than the game I have been playing for the past two days. Oh, man, Tactics is freaking awesome. Tactics is so good, and I want to play Tactics Ogre. Is that maybe Tactics Ogre is cool. Maybe you should invest in a Vita Rob. You know, over the holiday weekend they're going to be uh, one ninety nine. Uh, I'd rather. I have offered it. to give Rob a PSP, like flat out give him a PSP, and he said no. No, I said yes, and then you never got back to me. No, then you said no. Nah, never mind. Uh, it's, it's it's kind of a pain in the ass. And I was like, what? Which part about this is a pain in the ass? Well, I just didn't want to go through like getting a memory card, and then like just uh, I just can't be bothered. Dude, a memory card is like for a PSP. If you're playing UMD games, a memory card is like $6 off Amazon. You can go, I want a memory stick duo. Click the button. The PSP I was going to send them had a one gigabyte memory stick in it. <sighs> That's okay. You don't like free things. Rob doesn't like joy. No, it's true. I hate Final Fantasy XII. <laughs> you guys can go to town. All right, Steven. Come at me, bro. <laughs> come at me, bro. <laughs> So do you like Yasumi Matsuno? Do you like awesome character design, awesome, <laughs> awesome music, but you were really disappointed by the fact that Final Fantasy XII was an unbalanced mess? Yeah, I'm, I'm making qualitative statements. But yeah, so I uh, after the Piano Collection came out, uh, I was like, oh, man, Final Fantasy XII was a cool game, but it was really disappointing. I don't want to play it. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll play the international version, which I decided to do. And... Yeah, I, it fixed two of my major complaints with that game. In fact, my two biggest complaint. well, I, I would say, and we've said it a number of times on the show, the biggest problems I've had with that game was that the story kind of goes nowhere. And I know people disagree with me, but they're wrong, so it's okay. Uh, and the combat is very like slow and kind of unbalanced at the end because it's it's very easy to just go ahead and make everybody the same thing because why not? And, uh, you know, just the, the general tedium of having to run across large areas. Two of those problems are fixed in the international version. Uh, the, job, the job system is basically added, which 
what they basically did, I mean, it's, it's older now, as people probably know, but they've taken, you pick from one of 12 jobs and that gives you a special license board that is set up for that job. Meaning now, as opposed to every character just going for the best black magic and blasting everything to death with it, or, you know, you know, what have you. Now you say, okay, I'm going to make Vaughn a monk. He's going to use staffs and, you know, these skills and he'll have access to this magic. And so you actually have to make decisions because you can't change it once you pick it. So suddenly your characters in combat have roles as opposed to, yeah, everybody just beat on things until they're dead. And, you know, then tur- and then if you do what I did, you turn everyone into a black mage. Uh, and then on top of that, they've added the thing from Chrono Cross where you press L1 and it makes the game go super fast. And that works all of the time. So all of that running across large areas and running back and forth to town and long battles where, you know, you just have to hit things. You could just hit the button and they're over. So for me, it's making the game kind of a lot more awesome. It, it doesn't really mitigate. I mean, at least for me, it doesn't really mitigate the fact that I do think the story kind of goes nowhere. And it, it never really lives up to the promise of the characters. But, you know, two out of three isn't bad. I mean, uh, I've been playing the International Edition as well, and um, it definitely plays a lot better. Uh, Like Steven was saying, the new jobs system makes it so your characters actually have meaning, whereas I just made a bunch of paladins when I played Final Fantasy XII the first time, and we just hit everything with hammers and casted white magic on each other. (laughs) Nothing nothing could touch me. So like any of your parties then? What do you mean? Oh, no, it was a stupid joke. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I get what you did. Yeah, that was stupid. Um, so, like, <laughs> there was nothing to the battle system, and I got really bored by it. The job system fixes a great deal of that, and allowing me to speed up the the speed of the battles helps out a lot, too, because there is a lot of, like, waiting, and if you have, like, five enemies, it could take a really long time to get through the combat. The environments are huge, which I will get to in a second. So they're, they've cut down a lot of the tedium. As Steven was also saying, it doesn't fix what I believe to be the the big problem with that game, which is the story, which starts off, to, to Steven's credit, we were arguing a little bit, the story starts off and could be going in an interesting direction, and then it just becomes the bog-standard Final Fantasy, evil stones, evil empires, go destroy evil people. Which, I'm, I'm sorry, like, I, I'm getting so sick and tired of that, and I was so done with it at that point in Final Fantasy. Like, at least 10, you know, there was a little bit more of a personal story. Uh, 8 had the school setting, but 12 is just like, yeah, we're, we're basically doing that same, you know, evil empire storyline. That, that's what we do. Now, and, I, I, I do want to interject... I agree with you that it becomes, oh, get the magic stone, but the thing with 12, and to be honest, I'm surprised you don't see it, is you have that Yasumi Matsuno really detailed world. There's a lot of lore. Like, you compared it to Diablo 3. There's a ton of really great lore, and the world itself is interesting. It's just the actual scenario that they've written is lacking. Well, and to go along with that, I really don't like, uh, I know everybody says that this game has an awesome translation job. I really don't. I think it sounds very like it's trying to sound old timey and like European slash George RR Martin esque. And it just, it comes across very bad at some points. Like some sentences just don't read correctly where I'm just like, Oh, that sounded 
weird. And maybe that was what they were going for. But like, I, I get what you're saying is that they're trying to do like this, you know, political maneuverings and like, you know, Tyrion Lannister behind the scenes, like organizing people. But it doesn't impact anything that your party is doing. The only characters that have anything interesting going on are the guest characters that join up with your party. Everybody is so inherently boring. They don't do anything. Like it, it's just all the cool, all the stuff that's going on with the story has no connection with the gameplay or my characters. It's just going on. It's like quite literally, Vaughn is just along for the ride. Pinello serves no freaking purpose. Balthier is just there to be a ship and to have one plot revelation later on in the game. Well, ba Bosch and Ash actually have some somewhat decent, cool things going on, and then it's just completely dropped ten hours into the game. It's it's just bizarre. Like the game starts off like it's going to go in a really cool story direction, and then it's just like, mm, no, I won't be a sky pirate. Yeah. Well, that was the story of Revenant Wings. Although that actually, I think Revenant Wings actually had a good story. But see, I, I don't want to take a 180 in this because I've said that in the past too that I feel like the game really didn't live up to its premise, and I don't think it does. Um, I do think playing it now, like you really get the sense that. They were they, from what I recall, you know, this game had like every other big Final Fantasy recently. You know, they kept changing directions, and I think that's why Yasumi Matsuno dropped out. Um, you know, because they kept rebuilding the gameplay. So what I get the vibe is that you had these people who designed these characters, and they spent so much time rebuilding the gameplay that they never had a chance to build the characters into the story, the actual characters you're using, because they all have a great setup. Like right off the bat, you have Han and Chewbacca with Balthier and. Uh, friend, you know, you have the new guy, Vaughn, who's the surrogate for the player learning about the world. You have, you know, all these interesting archetypes set up, but then they don't get to play out because I agree a lot of the story, you'll get a cutscene that, you know, you'll go and fight a boss. Okay. You beat the boss. And then it's like, okay, across the world in Arcades, this is what Vane is doing. And, you know, I like the story. Up to that point, I don't mind that, but I do. I definitely agree that I wish it had more to do with your characters because they're related to it in some ways. Like you know how it ends. I think we're past the statute of spoiler limitations for this game. It's but, only a six-year-old game. Come on, some people maybe want to play it. I mean, you find out, you know, about Balthier being a judge and his connection to Sid from the laboratory, and you know all that sort of thing. And you you find out that the main plot twist is Judge Dredd. Uh, you know. <laughs> You just figured it out, didn't you? Yeah, I just got that. Okay, yeah. that was that was pretty excellent. See, no, I mean, so I I think I I agree with you. It doesn't live up to the promise. The character designs and their personalities and their archetypes are good, but they aren't tied into it enough. I agree. I mean, you have Ash; she's the the princess slash queen, so obviously she becomes important. But it does become a, a a question of, oh, we need to get these stones, and then all of this. They set up Vane as being this character whose political motivations are ambiguous. You know, is he doing things for his brother, for himself? Is he power hungry? And then he's and they have all that, but then they just have, <laughs> oh, but he got possessed by a monster, so that's it. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree with you. You can tell that this game had some serious development issues. And, like, the story I can kind of set aside because, let's be honest here, it wouldn't be a Final Fantasy game if the story didn't just crap itself inside out with about 20 hours left to go. Like, as much as we both love Final Fantasy IX... Steven, when you get to the other planet, it gets a little stupid. I don't agree. I think it gets awesome when you go to the other planet. Okay, whatever. You have I think it gets silly when you go to the final the final final boss and it's like, LOL, here I am. I am uh 
a boss. A guy. I am <laughs> I, bad. I, I, I am deaf, apparently. You, you thought Kuja was bad, but he's not bad. I'm bad. Yeah, exactly. I'm better. Uh, but So I can That's deal bad. with all the story problems. My biggest issue with Final Fantasy XII, and I don't think the Zodiac job system changes it, is that the environments are really, really big and really, really boring. And all there is to do in this game is fight. And I, there is I, I, nothing else. I agree with the fight aspect. I think the thing is, though, and I, I, we talked about this earlier, too, it's designed to be like an MMO. And MMOs have big, wide-open areas with not a whole lot going on. I think the art design in the areas is great, but I agree. You basically run down long stretches and fight stuff. And, I mean, that's that's how Final Fantasy's been for a while at this point. I mean, look at 12, or not 12, <laughs> 13. 13 is literally cutscene, fight, cutscene, fight, cutscene, well, fight, that, run down long hallways. Right. And this that, game has, you know, it, there's more breadth to it, but it's still heavily focused on fighting. And that was a, a criticism I originally had was that, there aren't really any side quests in the game. There's just do the main story and do hunts. Now, for me, because of the job system making my character decisions matter a little bit, I'm actually enjoying the hunts a lot more because it feels like I have to, you know, I have a party that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm actually doing something with it. But I do agree that there's no rest from it. It's, you know, you're always fighting. It's kind of the same thing Diablo 3 had, only Diablo 3's combat was awesome. Well, and... and- we just got done talking about Persona 4, and I think what I've what I've realized now and why I really enjoyed Persona 3 and Persona 4 more than Final Fantasy 12 and more traditional RPGs from the PS2 era is because there's more to do. When you play Persona 4, you get a little bit of an anime during character interactions, and then you get to make decisions and go level up in dungeons. Like, There's different gameplay elements that are building on each other. I think the other thing that's really keeping me involved in SMT games over Final Fantasy games right now is the writing and the characters. The characters are all interesting, and I really enjoy them. Meanwhile, with Final Fantasy XII, like, I don't give a crap about the story. I don't give a crap about the characters, so when the cutscene starts, I just roll my eyes, and I'm just like, oh, okay, this is going to be fun. And then when I they can cu- appreciate that as a matter of, uh, of course, but I, I, I don't agree that the writing in this game is bad. I think the translation in this game, I think, is fantastic, and I think it gives the game a lot of flavor. Uh, but, I mean, conversely, I do agree that the character development and the characters are, are way better in you know, a Shin Megami Tensei game. I mean, I I can see that. Um, there, there's good things. There, there's good things in Final Fantasy XII. I just running down super long hallways and being incredibly bored is just crap. No, and I I think that is a matter of taste in the game because I agree. I, I don't normally like that either. I think I'm just elated that the game is a little bit better. Yeah, I, I think know, the game – you're improving a game that I would have given like a 72 to like a 75 or 80. Like it, it's a definite improvement, but it's not enough to – like I've played for eight hours and I'm like, okay, I, I did that again. I've got like 20. <laughs> yeah, and I, no, I, I've seen you – you've been plugging away at it and that's awesome. But like I just – I can't be bothered with it anymore. I, I really, really can't. Another thing I want to address too is – you mentioned that you wanted to play Final Fantasy Tactics on PSP with a better translation. Yes. The translation style is identical. 
Oh, can am I the uh, like what is I don't even know what it is, but it just feels like misplaced words and like that it feels like you know what it really feels like. And I'm not trying to dog on the translators because they they really try to do something cool. It feels like they opened up a dictionary or a thesaurus, and instead of saying party, they went and found something like fate. F-E-T-E. Yeah, but that's, they're going with that Eastern European flavor with it so that that makes sense in that context but because they, but, the, the the thing is Ivalice is this huge world and the region of the world they're choosing to show has that eastern european no, flavor no no no, no. that's fine that's fine if you want to go for that language the problem is that the rest of the dialogue doesn't g up with that you have like they're speaking in per, like von will speak in perfectly common normal easy to understand english that we all get and then he drops in a thing like fate so it just feels like all they did was they had it written out and then they used like microsoft word and they control f and then replaced everything that said party with fate and so it just doesn't sound right it's like reading shakespeare if you said refrigerator in the middle of much ado about nothing like it just like it just I, I, i want to agree with you more because of how great that analogy was but I, I just I don't think so. That that's the style they've gone for. Like, and and Vaughn is a, is a street rat, so Vaughn doesn't tend to use crazy words like that. But that's what they're calling it. You I, know, I, that, that's what the Empire calls it. The Empire has that whole you know egalitarian you know nonsense going on. And just, I, it just I, feels I, like, like we're they, gonna have to just agree to disagree in that because I think the translation in this game is one of the reasons why I'm happy I could be playing it again and not focusing on how horrible the no, combat is. No, that's fine. I. I don't know. I just I can't get into this game. I I once again am depressed playing it because I want to love this game, but it's just like the translation bothers me. It just it's it's like nails on a chalkboard where just something doesn't I don't know if it's a combination. Maybe the actors don't know what they're saying, but it just it, nothing sounds right in this game. It just oh, I just I I oh, I I just can't believe that that is something you would take issue with because it's something that I'm sitting there going, God, I love this game because of this. Like, this is why I want to be playing it again. I, I, I don't know what it is, dude. It's very hard for me to articulate, but the translation just does not sound right to me. Something sounds very, very wrong. And I, I think it is a, I don't know if this is actually what happened, but it does feel like somebody just control F on the word document and they just replaced words to make it sound more Eastern European. And instead it just sounds silly. And it, it just and and certain characters aren't as bad as others. I think Balthier is actually written decently, but like some of the stuff that comes out of Vane's mouth or more or, or the Marquis, like stuff that comes out of that's his just mouth. The, you guys were making fun of that before. That that's literally that's the style of the word they're saying. Whatever, but it, it it's still a French word. But what but whatever, like it's it's still there are certain characters that sound really really off. And I don't know what it is. It's maybe maybe part of what they were going for was these aren't characters that their natural language is English. So maybe that was part of it, but it just it does not sound right to me. But whatever. I we can argue back and forth about story and dialogue. That's actually worth a discussion. I still think the game is boring as all hell. <laughs> I still think that just running down a hallway and just having my like the gambit system works. It, and, it, and it works so well, but the problem is that the game never throws you a curveball outside of the hunts, which I know you brought up. But like outside of the hunts, the game never throws a curveball at you, so you never have to adjust your tactics. So if you if you made a gambit system that works, which is a hell of a lot easier in this version of the game because they open everything up for you at the very start, you're done. 
it's like why am i even playing this anymore i can't even be challenged like i i, I just there's there's a difference between making the game easy and having some form of strategy in the game there's no strategy anymore my strategy is hold down the left analog stick in the direction of enemies well that's the thing is for me a, a part of it right now is that i'm just so thrilled like this game was the greatest disappointment for me ever because Final Fantasy Tactics, for the longest time, was my favorite Final Fantasy. It's tied with Final Fantasy IX. And it's in large part because of how rich that world was and how cool the story was. And because I love that art design, you know, the music and everything is just, for me, it's just, it's it's like crack. <laughs> and just for when I, when I first played it, just having the characters not become developed at all and you know, people on the internet are going to argue all the time and say, well, they are developed. You just didn't pay attention to it. And you know what? Again, they're wrong. So the, the, there's very little character development and it doesn't live up to the promise that the the production would have you believe. And that's why it was so disappointing for me. So for me, I'm just elated that I'm playing it again and liking it so much more. It's definitely better. I, I will agree with you that it's better, and the, the characters now serve a purpose in combat. But, you know, uh, it's maybe not fair to compare this game to more recent titles, but I'm going to compare it to Xenoblade because I think in a lot of ways Xenoblade does the Final Fantasy XII, like, big sprawling world and kind of automated but still action-focused combat system. And no, I, we actually I, – I, if I recall, we actually made that comparison when we talked about Xenoblade. Like, yeah. I actually said – I go, it's Final Fantasy XII if they had gotten it right. Right, and now there are problems with, with Xenoblade. I mean, there, there are times where, like, your party just completely falls apart because the AI isn't quite doing what it's supposed to do. And it doesn't work, I, I would say, as well as the Gambit system. It means sometimes a character wouldn't do something that would be very, very advantageous in the middle of a fight. But it's still, it, it's still to me, just a better overall product because the environments and the enemies are so much more interesting, whereas in Final Fantasy XII... It's a very God. I, I just I want to love this game. I, Steven. The way I, I want to. It, I know. I know. The the way I would describe it is that Xenoblade for me has much better level design, but the art design I I vastly prefer it in this game because I feel like it has a lot more flavor. Like Xenoblade definitely had cool stuff going on. I don't mean to. I don't want to sound as if I'm downplaying the value of that game, but just. Man, the art style and just how everything looks in this game and how consistent the world is. It is consistent. It's consistently boring. Oh, no, 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 no. But the level design is, you know, it's big rooms and big hallways. Yeah, it's the Castlevania Les Men of Innocence problem where I remember seeing videos for Les Men of Innocence and I was like, oh my god, that combat system looks awesome. And to its credit, I still think Castlevania Les Men of Innocence has one of the best 3D combat engines ever. It is super awesome. The problem is there's nothing interesting to do with it. it. It's the Ninja Gaiden argument, too. I mean, Ninja Gaiden has a, a pretty decent combat system, but half the enemies uh, – maybe Ninja Gaiden isn't as good of a, a comparison. I, I would say Bayonetta, something we both agree on. Bayonetta mm -hmm. has this really awesome combat system, but everything that you fight sucks. Like <sighs> every everything that you fight in that game outside of the basic angel enemies are terrible, and you can't use that combat system against them. So it's just counterintuitive to everything that they've designed. And so the Gambit system is this really awesome, open-ended, if-then statement that keeps the whole combat system flowing. But then outside of the hunts, they never throw anything cool at you to challenge you. 
you just run it over. Excuse me. You just run it over. I would agree with most of that, except that I don't think Bayonetta was good at all in any way. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you on that one, too. We both played that on PS3, didn't we? Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know what? Maybe it's because I'm just tired of that style of game. But like, even ever since Devil May Cry three, they haven't topped that kind of action game. And Metal Gear Revengeance isn't going to top it. Bayonetta two is not going to top it because they're just like, here's more crazy crap you can do. Woo! I think Revengeance looks okay, but you know, I'm a Metal Gear head. So, in essence, uh, Final Fantasy XII still divisive. Uh, if you haven't picked up the Zodiac job system, obviously you got to jump th- jump through some hoops to get it uh, from Japan. But if you do get a chance to play it, it it's better. Yeah, it if is you better. like if you like Final Fantasy XII, you I mean, again, it's years down the road that we're saying this, so by this point you've probably already played it. But if you liked Final Fantasy XII or wanted to like Final Fantasy XII, this may change your mind or convince you further that you like the game yep so all right do we want to take a little break right now and that way we can get our uh, interview with kyle and the elder scrolls online in here yeah all right so we will be right back with kyle and we're back and uh now i am joined by kyle e miller hello and Kyle got a chance to see the Elder Scrolls online, and uh, I'm here with Steven to pick his brain about this title. So, uh, pick your wh- brains. What I want to start with is uh, all of our initial reactions to when they first announced uh, the Elder Scrolls online. Uh, I remember when they, they spent a great deal of time saying, yeah, we didn't make a generic MMO, and then the most generic-looking pictures come out of that Game Informer article that make you go, oh that- my god. That was really bad market. Like, I, you know, I don't know anything about marketing, so I don't want to say it was bad marketing. But that screenshot looked so bad. It was like, not even technically proficient. It was, it, it was like they picked the worst possible thing to show. They're like, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I would kind of agree. It it did not look good. Kyle, what, what did you what did you think about that when it was first announced? Before they had a chance to wine and dine you in Bethesda. I didn't. I didn't think about it. <laughs> oh, you just didn't think about it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw that. I I mean, what? They released like four screenshots or something? Uh, yeah, like when it first. Um, like the very first time it was like. There was just one. Right when they announced the game, there was. Yes, this is an MMO. They said it's going to be a class system. And then they showed that screenshot. Right. It was like one screenshot. And I was like, OK, this doesn't look special. Next. So then you got a chance to go and actually see the game, and uh, I, I think right off the bat what we, we want to ask you is, does it feel like an Elder Scrolls title? Is this a case where it, they've taken the, the single-player Elder Scrolls games and they've brought it into an MMO environment where it feels like an Elder Scrolls title? Short answer is yes, mostly. Um, it's They're working really hard to take the Elder Scrolls fans and the MMO fans and making a game that will please both equally. And I think when you do something like that, you risk pleasing no one. It's sort of like the accessibility issues that a lot of games are having these days where you might please everybody a little bit, but no one's going to love it. And sure, you can bet a lot of people are going to hate it. So I'm worried that by doing that, they're going to end up sacrificing, sacrificing what... Elder Scrolls fans want and what MMO fans want. 
it's it's kind of like the opposite of and John's going to hate me. It's kind of like the opposite of what Dark Souls does. Dark Souls very clearly knows its audience. It's not catering to anybody else. And that's why it probably doesn't right. have broad appeal or as broad of an appeal as it could. Right. And I mean, it does feel like Elder Scrolls in that it looks like an Elder Scrolls game. You've got your races, you've got your armor types, you know, they've done the details like that, but it also just has the atmosphere of an Elder Scrolls. And I've never thought the Elder Scrolls has a ton of atmosphere as much as other things like Dark Souls or the Witcher setting, those settings. But it does feel similar. And the only thing that doesn't, isn't similar is, you know, you can't pick up a pail and put it over somebody's head. (laughs) You can't fill your room with books. And I'm worried that and that's the stuff that's the cool stuff. See, that's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Is this what Elder Scrolls fans want? I mean, I've heard that they want multiplayer, but do they want this kind of multiplayer? I've always thought I've always thought when people said we want multiplayer in in Elder Scrolls, they were saying I'd like to have five or six people with me like friends so we can run around an adventure. Not I'd like to be in an MMORPG setting where. Everything has been homogenized down to the smallest detail, and now it's right. wow with Elder Scrolls trappings, which was and, my complaint of Star Wars. And one of the coolest things about the Elder Scrolls games is the individual stories, the unique things that happen only in your game. You know, I, I can't really think of an example, but, you know, you're on a quest and some ridiculous glitch occurs and something insane happens, but it's awesome, you know? And these individual stories start coming out. And that's what people remember the Elder Scrolls series for. But here, you're doing what everybody else is doing. Hmm. So what exactly was the combat like? Um, is it – because <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I know that they had said you know, they wanted to make it feel like the Elder Scrolls games. But A, I don't think the Elder Scrolls really have very good combat to begin with. But evidently I'm alone because everybody else seems to love it. But – it, how exactly are they doing that? Because MMO combat and Elder Scrolls combat are basically my two least favorite kinds of RPG combat. So <laughs> how exactly is that? Like, what does it feel like? It feels like Elder Scrolls combat. It's in third person, which it's not like the third person in, you know, Skyrim for for Xbox 360. But it's very much like Skyrim's PC combat. That's what they compared it to. And, you know, it's it's reactive. It's actiony. You have to pay attention. There's little, there are visual cues. They're all kind of the same, at least the ones that I saw. There are visual cues that tell you, okay, block now, and then you can counterattack and knock them down. So it is something that you have to pay attention to. It's not just click, click. Uh, I I remember from your um not not your preview but the the preview video that they put out a couple weeks back where they they it's like they got a new marketing department at Bethesda and they started you know upping and and hyping the game and they they were like you know you press the left mouse button and you swing your sword you press the right mouse button and you you hold up a block but like when when i imagine that i think about it like steven probably does in the mmo trappings where you press the right button and you're activating a cooldown skill for a block skill is that kind of what's going on here or are you actually just blocking you're just blocking. In fact, there are okay. no, there aren't any cooldown skills, which I think is one of the best, best Go things on. about it. Um, it's just like Skyrim. There's, and this is really, I think, novel for a MMO. And this is why, it, another reason it feels like an Elder Scrolls, because you have Magicka, you have um, stamina, 
And your skills just take out of those and it works. So do you have, do you you actually have like a hot bar at the bottom, like one through 10, like, okay, you're a warrior. You just learned taunt. You just learned shield bash. You just learned this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think there are only six that you can display or maybe even only five. There weren't as many as other games, but yeah. And they just take out your whatever, you know, it'll either draw from, Stamina or Magicka, and it takes it out if you push the button. And there's no cooldown, so you could use it, you know, ten times in a row if you could, if you wanted to. That's interesting. I, I'm I'm surprised there's no cooldown. That, on the one hand, I like that because I that's one of the things I don't like about MMO combat is it feels like you're just watching the little swirly things around your buttons to you know become clear again. Um, but that must be a nightmare to balance. <laughs> the abilities are actually really cool too. I liked. The character progression is really cool. In fact, I liked it better than it has been in any of the Elder Scrolls games. Um, How does it work? Is at least for the the class that I played. I don't know if they have like the typical classes, but mine was like, I mean, I had some pretty good combat abilities, and I was also a healer, so it was a really cool hybrid. And I don't know. I kept getting a lot of cool uh, class abilities, and I'd get cool weapon abilities, and there were passive abilities, and it was just a lot going on, and. I think it was it's better than even Skyrim. Wow, that's see that's that's that was sort of the thing they showed off in that in that video Rob mentioned. Like I watched it and I had no interest. I I'm I'm not an MMO person and generally speaking I'm not an Elder Scrolls person unless it's Morrowind. And I was watching that video going, "Wow, that doesn't look terrible at all." That's, you know, so I mean, that sounds kind of cool. It's at least that they're not just attempting to completely replicate other games in the genre the the class system makes me more excited because i think one of my biggest problems with the elder scrolls game is that i I like to dabble when you give me all of those skills and so i'm like oh i want to do a little bit of lock picking or oh i want to do a little bit of sneaking or oh i want to bash some skulls but then the game starts ramping up the difficulty where it's it's based off of my progression as a level rather than my progression in those skill areas. So then I start like, because I've dabbled and I've spread myself thin, now I'm no match for the bandit chieftain. So it kind of sounds like the, the class system would prevent that. And also we're, we're talking about a game that probably isn't going to have level scaling. Why did I say that? Now <laughs> why did I say that? Now they're just going to put it in there just to, just to really irritate me. Well, you know, with Skyrim, one thing that I always liked about, like, party-based RPGs that you don't see as much anymore is that every character has a role. You know, you have a thief. You know, he can backstab people. He can steal. But by himself, he's a lot weaker because there isn't some guy taking attention off of the thief. And, you know, that's that's sort of what always, I don't know, just rubbed me the wrong way about Oblivion and Skyrim is that you don't have to make those choices. You know, you can just learn everything. And, you know, you could be a giant ogre man with you know armor that weighs 600 pounds and a 20 pound sword is that a heavy no it's like a 500 pound sword and then you could go and pick locks and then you could cast magic spells and that's cool in the you can do everything kind of way but it doesn't really make my character feel unique which is probably part of the reason i can't get into those games what was the questing system like? I mean, we, we've had this this real big turnaround in MMOs where, like, Guild Wars was basically doing a questing system where you're in an area, now go complete some tasks. You don't have to get a, a standard quest giver. I mean, are we talking about a map that's just filled with the exclamation points above the heads and you just got to run around and start talking to people? I think it's a little more organic than that, um, which I really appreciate because that's one of the things I think, you know – 
a, a WoW clone or even WoW itself is really mechanical as far mm-hmm. as that kind of stuff goes. But it was more like an Elder Scrolls game. You know, you'd I even had somebody just randomly come up to me with a quest, like like happens in you know Skyrim. Somebody will run up to you and say, "Help, help!" And that happened, and it was actually kind of a cool quest. Um, That's pretty cool. So it's not like here's a bunch of quest vending machines, you know, put in your quarters. It's more like an actual living world. That's a great analogy. Here are your quest vending machines. That, well, that, that's how I feel about Borderlands, Stephen. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but the, the the core gameplay in Borderlands is fun, so you can get past that. MMOs, the core gameplay is freaking boring. It's like, here's all your quests now. Stand there and click your hotbar. Keep clicking it. And they, the quests were a little more involved, too. Some of them were fetch quests. Some of them were kind of hide-and-seek quests. Others were actually required a little bit of thought, you know, the puzzle aspects. Some were just fighting. So it seems like there was a good variety, at least in what I played. Did they show you any of the PvP stuff, or was that all, like, still being held back? That's all a secret, pretty much, except what you saw in that video. They showed us that video in Baltimore, um, the one that they recently released, and that was all we saw of it. You can pick one of the three factions to join, correct? Right. And and, uh, does that extend to the single player as well? Like, you're not just making a decision that's only for PvP. This is something that will affect all your actual quests in the game? Oh, absolutely. I mean... The that de- that determines your entire quest line and your the areas that you can go to. I mean, each the three you'd have to play the game three times to see everything, to see all the provinces. And when they charge you for new character slots, there you go. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing there was no talk of subscription models, how they're planning no. on doing that. Nothing. Yeah, you better believe they're not going to go with a fifteen dollars a month after what happened to. Really. Oh, I, I don't think there's any way they can. I'm yeah. willing to I, I was I'm willing to bet that they do it like that for a year and then they switch to free to play. I mean, they had to have known with Tor that that was what they were going to be doing. I yeah, mean, every Tor game didn't even that. make it a year. Did it? I, it I made thought it, it was eleven months. Yeah, well, I, I I just think after you know when Star Wars can't get a, a good subscription model going, I, I know Elder Scrolls is really popular, but. I, I would venture a guess that Elder Scrolls is not as popular as Star Wars. So I don't and, – and also considering that this is a PC-only product, correct? As far as I know. I think that's the biggest barrier to entry for this game is that the Elder Scrolls has become a console game. You know, my, my students in the dorm – they play the Elder Scrolls on their Xbox 360. God forbid they're not playing Skyrim on their PS3. But uh, you know they, they're not really playing it. They're not really PC gamers. It feels like by making this an MMO for PC, you're tapping into a very specific crowd, but you're missing out on all those dude bros who are spending money on on your new Skyrim. Just saying. Um, I mean, I don't know what that thought process well, I, is. But. I think a lot of. I, I actually no, I, I think you're onto something there because the Elder Scrolls wasn't that popular before Oblivion came out on 360. Like, yeah, that's true. You know, I had never even heard of it until Morrowind came out, and I mean, I played a lot of PC games. You know, and what I, syst- and what system was Morrowind also on? Xbox. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah, was a little fact, but you know, that's that's that's. That's deadly there. That that was my first – when they first announced this thing, I was like, oh, OK. So this is going to be like Final Fantasy XI where we're making a, an MMO for consoles. And they're like, nope, PC. And I'm going, 
huh, I really wish I was in that marketing meeting, and I would have put up my hand and gone, um, where have we been making our money lately? Yeah, that's an interesting observation, because the MMO fans are on PC, but you're not cutting out a big chunk there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, and, and like, all of the guys, and, and now granted, I, I kind of have a, a niche audience around here because, you know, I'm mostly hanging out with a bunch of, bunch of teenagers that are interested in their Call of Duties and their Skyrim, but, like, they were excited about Skyrim, and they kept talking to me for a whole year about Skyrim, and now with Elder Scrolls Online... I don't hear any of the kids talking about it. There's no excitement over any this of the right. Kids. It, no, seriously, <laughs> I, they're, they're not talking about it. Oh, shut up. The the young people they're they're not interested in this rap music. No, they, they're just not. I, I really feel like the second that they were told this is a PC MMO, they just immediately like turned their back and said, "Okay, well, we've got well, I, we've got I, enough I think, of those." I think the issue is that they, people didn't want an MMO; they wanted. Local multiplayer. Yeah, I mean that, that's what I always wanted. I never said I want this to be an MMO because I knew if they made an MMO, it would have to turn into one of those content fests. Like, wow. And ugh. what are they doing with the scale of the game, Kyle? Like, is it going to be like every territory is just as big as every territory was in every Elder Scrolls game, or is this going to be like where you know White Run is suspiciously close to what other? generic towns there were in skyrim <laughs> i asked about that how close it would be and they said that the i mean it's a long time ago according you know in, compared with the other games so things obviously can be different geographically due to the long amount of time which i'm sure <laughs> they'll, i'm sure they'll take some <laughs> Interesting. Uh, that. Pittsburgh is suspiciously close to Philadelphia. <laughs> That's yeah. why they could ne- you could never make an Earth MMO because Boston uh-huh. would be like ten feet up the road from New York. <laughs> and that's how the PvP would work. All the Yankees and Red Sox fans would kill each other. That's true. Yeah, that remi- actually reminds me of Lego Lord of the Rings I've been playing recently. It's Middle Earth is suddenly very small. <laughs> you can see Weathertop from Bree and <laughs> just like right out the back door. <laughs> is that game good? it's pretty good there's some frustrating things but so they didn't really give an answer on that one i mean i i I... he said that you definitely would recognize some things but obviously they're not going to copy the geography right exact you know i hope to god they don't because the oblivion territory was the most generic looking fantasy land yeah I, i hated that but i think you'll find kind of a a compromise you know you'll recognize this and you might say oh that's awesome you know, I I went there and did this, and you'll also see new things and be surprised. And but I don't think this I don't think they're the same size. Like I don't think the, the everything that was in Skyrim. I don't think that entire area is going to be available. Yeah. All I saw of Skyrim was the the starting place was with which was just a little island. Mm-hmm. So I I couldn't say exactly. There's going to be a ton of Draugr mines and uh, really obnoxious copy and paste level design. I I, I hate to say this, I like I, I think we all kind of have a, an equal level of apathy for this title right now. Where at, at least I was so excited going into Skyrim, and I, I, I've talked about how I, I was really snake bit by that game, and I really wanted to like it and all the issues that I had with it. But now when I hear that, it, it, like Kyle said at the beginning of this whole thing, they're taking out the Elder Scrollsiness 
of the Elder Scrolls where like you could have bookshelves filled with all of these books. They're taking out the immersion and that's kind of the only thing that keeps – whenever I start Skyrim again, and I, I think I've started Skyrim again like five times. Like I'll sit down and I'll go, oh my god, I forgot how immersive this is and how cool it is to pick up a book and like steal an apple and like using the stealth mechanics. I forgot how fun this is, and then the combat starts and I want to kill myself. But like the, the immersion is what keeps me in that world. When they start telling you that you don't have that kind of immersion anymore, I don't care like it, it, the reason I play the Elder Scrolls is because it, it's one of the closest things to a real life fantasy simulator. You know what I mean? Like this is a game where you can, yeah. you know, go cut wood for three hours if you want to. Well, I wouldn't say that the Elder Scrolls Online isn't immersive because I think it is. Just maybe not in the same way. It's more immersive than any MMO I've ever seen because it's it's more organic. It's less mechanical. There's not, you know, a giant exclamation point saying, here's your next quest, idiot. It's, <laughs> you know, you, it's more like living in a world than any MMO I've, I've seen. Mm -hmm. So it is immersive. But the one thing I'm wondering is, instead of these individual single player stories, you know, that come out of a playing of Skyrim or Morrowind, will there be unique group stories to replace those? And I think that's going to be the challenge and yeah. if they can pull that off, then they might just get the entire Elder Scrolls fan base. I, I would agree with you. I think the problem is to – they need to not have the storytelling of, man, there was this big dragon that we all had to go kill. Wasn't that fun? They have to do some stuff where like one person is getting a quest from one guy, another person is getting a quest from another guy, and then they meet in the middle and they both – and they have to like come to – I'm trying to think organically about how you can create – better storytelling opportunities than this guy helped me kill something or, you know, our group defended a fort. Like I'm trying to think about those right. moments it, and it's really hard to do. I'm going to, I'm going to rarely be the, 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 the naysayer here and say, that's not going to happen. I like, I guess I could be optimistic, but it's an MMO. So I'm not going to be, that's not going to happen. It's going to devolve into, okay, pick your class. We need healer PST, PST healer. Okay. All right, let's go run this raid. Okay, let's run this raid. That's what it's going to do. Now, now, wait a minute, Steven. Now, wait, 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 wait. Because I, I would argue that at least with Guild Wars 2, like, there isn't that much of a quality to it because they, they don't have the, the tank healer well, DPS. Yeah, with Guild Wars 2, but then that led to that game's problem of nothing matters at all. Well, and, and, it's just like, uh, let's get a bunch of guys together and hit something until it's dead. Uh, I'm dead. Get me up. Oh, okay, I got you up. I would not disagree with you. I, I, I hate to sound so negative. I just. An MMO, like when I played EverQuest as a little kid and had no idea what was going on, that game felt legendary. Like there was just so much going on that was mysterious because the game, it, it, it was, that genre was in its infancy. So it, it wasn't required because, oh, I paid $60. Everything in this game has to reveal itself to me if I put my time into it. That game was like, oh, there's all this weird, like unbalanced hidden stuff and chaotic, chaotic stuff happening. And it, it just felt really cool. And ever since WoW, it's been, okay. We're charging for this service. There has to be a strict level curve. You have to go to this area from level one to ten, this area from level ten to twenty. And I Yeah, that's a good point. That's a paradigm that I don't think any MMO is going to change for a long time. And nothing I've seen from Elder Scrolls Online or from Guild Wars for that matter has changed that, yeah, you know, I just run around and do quests and stuff. It's definitely a, it doesn't change the MMO formula. It's it's conservative, I would say. In that respect, 
but it's very I'd say it's definitely solid. It's very competent, well made. It seems like it I don't know, you know, it should be fairly well polished. I know Rob will say it's gonna have a ton of glitches, but <laughs> Well <laughs> Rob is really good at finding glitches. I it, it is true. Just about every game I somehow made I, I well that's because I like to push games to their very limit. And uh, when, I, when I start screwing with a game and I start having problems with it from a glitch perspective, it can really start to annoy. I mean, you know, Skyrim didn't start playing correctly for about four months after it came out. I mean, they had to, you know, really fix that game up. And I, I think that Bethesda, you give them a berth, you give them a wide berth because, you know, they are doing something a little bit different. There aren't a lot of... There aren't a lot of games that let you do as much as the Elder Scrolls games or their fallouts. So you, you, you give them some space, but then every once in a while you're just going, huh, yeah, I can't, I can't give you any more of that. So, uh, Did they say anything about a release date? Are we completely in the, in the All blind? they said was next year, I think. Probably. Yeah, 20, I'd, I'd 2013. Say a, yeah, I'd say a late 2013 launch. That's what they're probably going to do. Meanwhile, all I want is Fallout 4, so they better be working on that. This is not mm-hmm. the. This is not their internal. St- this is a different studio, right? This is a yeah. Studio this is Zenimax Online. Okay. Okay. So this this isn't like we're we're getting this outside of everything else. Okay. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see what they do. I'm pretty sure you'll see Fallout 4 next year, or maybe not next year, but they'll at least announce it because now the engine's all done and they can, you know, make it. I think we might get an announcement about Fallout 4, but it's uh, – I don't know. I mean, the Spike Video Game Awards are coming up, so we might get an announcement of something. Yeah, I think so. I I know I'm barking up the wrong tree here, but I really miss turn-based Fallout. Dude, dude, uh, the VAT system essentially made it turn-based. It's fine. VAT didn't make it turn-based. It just made it easy to aim and get awesome headshots, which I I didn't hate that game, but that game boiled down to the same – we were saying before the show, I'm just – I'm tired of open world games with a ton of middling content as opposed to smaller scale games with maybe less space to explore, but everything is much more carefully crafted. I think that now wait a minute. And that was and Fallout, yes, it was smaller than, you know, Skyrim and Oblivion, but it still felt like here's a bunch of space with a bunch of stuff going on. And yeah, but that game, I mean, that game was better in a lot of ways. So. The criticism isn't necessarily as strong towards that, but I still feel like Fallout 3 is a very, very different game from Fallout 1 and 2. I would agree with you on that, but I, I would say Fallout 3 is much, much better there because, like, I I enjoy the smaller world size. I enjoyed the the moving around, and the, and there's more. You know, there there are your generic dungeons with nothing at the bottom except like some shotgun shells, but it's mm-hmm. not nearly on the same level as Oblivion or Skyrim in that respect. And there's more to do in terms of like each town having a, a big quest to solve. Like there's less quests, but there's more meaningful quests, if you know what I mean. Oh, oh, absolutely. I I think that's true. And that's why I like Fallout 3 much better. I didn't like New Vegas because I felt like it was just a rehash, but I guess you could use the same argument for Fallout 2. But what I miss is the fact that in Fallout 1 and 2, dialogue was important. I would agree with that. I would. You could be a character who, who totally... I mean, that was half the fun in the game is I would pick bloody mess and then I would get my charisma really high and I'd just talk my way out of every situation. If it didn't work, I'd blow some guy into chunks by shooting his toe. Whereas in the new Fallout, it's it's all combat. It's it's you know, you can get those 
uh, you know, those auxiliary skills, but it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, we need better writers. Hey, get on that, Kyle. I want you mm-hmm. writing stuff for the Elder Scrolls someday. Yeah, I, I wish I could. You, you'll have that. Some, you'll have some character named Rob that just hates everything. <laughs> His name will be Rob. <laughs> That's Rob. Oh, like, he hates so everything. Sucks. It started out good, but then it just it, it totally <laughs> fell to pieces, man. Like, the, did anybody play this? Did anyone play test this? How could something be this screwed up? Did the blacksmith even look at this sword before he sold it? <laughs> I've been playing way too much Hitman lately. I'm sorry. All right. Well, if we don't have anything else to say about Tesso, uh, I guess that gives us an opportunity to move on to news. Kyle, do you want to join us for the news section, or are you going to bug out? I think I'm going to head out. All right. You go and wait with bated breath for the Elder Scrolls Online coming no, sometime. I think it could please a lot of people. I oh. really do. We haven't had a chance to ask Kyle about that, and you're right, Stephen. How, how excited are you for Cyberpunk? Very, very, very excited. Not as excited for Witcher as Witcher 3, though. Well, I don't think we're going to get Witcher 3 for a while. I, I think they're no, kind of focused right now. I think they're different teams, though. Yeah, yeah. they have different yeah. teams. They have, they have two different teams on it, so. Oh, Which, man. I almost, I almost applied to be to work on Cyberpunk. But oh, my God. Wasn't I, 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 my only skill is in writing, and I'm not that good at it, so I was like, uh, I'm not going to bother. I really hope that. I just have glorious visions of my head. Good luck to you guys, CD Projekt. All right, Kyle. We will talk to you later. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. No problem. Steve, Bye, hit me with some news. All right. This is my first time doing this, so don't judge me. Yeah, so, I know. And it's just I, I, you and me now, and this could get really awkward. <laughs> John, John's going to just come back and be like, yeah, we're deleting that news section. All right. All right. So I, uh, I pulled up news stories that have happened since our last recording. Uh so for starters, since I'm the soundtracks guy, we're going to talk about a new story I wrote. Uh, Hyperduck Soundworks, uh, the guys behind the music for Dust and Elysian Tale, which we reviewed, um, are doing the music for the new Penny Arcade, which is good because Penny Arcade 3's music was pretty generic. I think that game had a much smaller budget. It, it did, but I, I think that says a lot about the next one, too, is that they're going to have a pretty fantastic team of musicians working on the music. So at the very least, that's that's a good start. Um, Dragonborn, the new DLC for Skyrim was announced, uh, as usual, Xbox owners get it first and then PC shortly after and PS3, never PS3. Well, have fun. Well, apparently, uh, there, there was a news story where, uh, some people are starting to get the Dawn Guard, uh, DLC. I think they're starting like a slow launch of that to see, you know, how many PS3s it bricks between <laughs> now and Christmas. It's such a shame that they have those problems and I don't, I really don't think it's fair to say oh bethesda's lazy on their ps3 version i don't think that's it at all I, I think it just comes down to you know the ps3 has trouble with that game i mean it, it you know that, that engine just melts that thing down apparently i mean I, I don't know what to tell them i mean skyrim runs like butter on my pc that's all i gotta say yeah i, I just you know yeah i resolve all these problems by just playing on pc yeah the pc is uh is the way to go yep <laughs> I would uh, I would agree. I mean, I'm still rocking a one gigabyte graphics card and playing almost every game at 60 frames a second. It's pretty fun. Yeah, like it, it, and, and you can get a one gigabyte graphics card for what, like 80 bucks on Newegg right now. Yeah, well, a buddy of mine, we're getting off topic, but a buddy of mine just built his own PC to play Borderlands with us because he had a Mac for some hilarious reason. <laughs> and uh, we spent like $400 and he's got a PC that plays Borderlands 2 almost perfectly. I mean, he doesn't have everything maxed out, but 
Yeah, I mean, I don't have everything maxed out on most of my games, but like, I don't. I, I it's funny because I'm mostly just a texture person and making sure the game runs clear. Uh, runs I agree. Well, I don't I really, ca- I don't really care about shadows and that sort of stuff. Like, I, I will usually turn those down if they hit my performance at all. The first thing I turn off is V-Sync and then shadows, but it depends on the game. Resolution and texture for me. Well, well I always, I always turn V-Sync on to make sure I don't have screen tearing. More news. More news. Uh. DLC for the Game of Thrones uh, is now available for $5. You can go beyond the wall, which I've only read the first book, but that sounds cool. Uh, I'm assuming there are scary monsters out there. Is that on Steam sale right now? Because I I'm, I remember John said I should play it just for the story. Because like, well, yeah, yeah, John said it, it was a pretty competent game and that if you like Game of Thrones, it certainly isn't disappointing. Um, it's only 17 bucks. Ugh. Oh, man, I would like to play that, too. Yeah, but, you know, I'm going to wait for the mega Steam <laughs> sale in Christmas. Yeah, me too. Terrible at this news thing. (laughs) Yeah, we're really bad at this. Okay, uh, okay. moving on. Uh, So, after that, uh, big news, I guess, if you like games with terrible endings. uh, There's a new Mass Effect coming out, uh, developed at Bioware Montreal. Um, You remember when when John said I was an idiot for saying there was going to be a Mass Effect 4? You remember that? No, he he didn't say that. uh, That's kind of what he said. Uh, No, he basically... He said there's going to be another Mass Effect, but it's not going to be in the same arc as the old ones. Okay, sure. All right. It's nice to want things. <laughs> well, uh, actually, what they're doing is uh, Casey Hudson is asking people, uh, and the, the whole Bioware community is asking, hey, do you want a prequel? Do you want a sequel? What do you want to see? And hopefully everybody says sequel, so that way they can realize how... St- Never mind. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, it it's uses the Frostbite 2 engine, the engine from Battlefield 3, which, you know, it sounds, sounds like a good start. Uh, they also have started preparing people by saying, uh, don't expect everything to be the same. So you'll see some changes. I'm guessing they're going to be more action-oriented changes, uh, especially given the Frostbite engine. But, you know, I'm- gameplay was never Mass Effect 3's problem, so... No, no, I, I, I would say that's that- a good start. What they need to do, and we're, we're seeing something similar right now because of the, the Star Wars announcements, and we're going to get three new Star Wars films. Um, oh, yes. I know. I'm, I'm excited about that. And don't now. forget the writer of The Empire Strikes Back is on the team. I know. I know. But he also wrote Return of the Jedi, so he is partly responsible for Ewoks. Just saying. Lucas directed – I'm just I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, but uh, what, I'm, what I want to see is – with Star Wars and with Mass Effect, I want to see them go so far in the future. I'm not talking thousands of years, but just like enough into the future where I don't have to worry about the 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 Garrus cameo. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I don't want the the strings attached to it. I don't want it to bring its BS into the the next Mass Effect game. No, I want, I, it, to, I want it to be far enough in the future where these are all new characters. You can have little shout-outs here and there if you want to have a statue to the shepherd at, you know, some installation a thousand years in the future. Okay, I'm I can live with that. But I don't want to see like, you know, shepherd on a farm, you know, I don't <laughs> need to see any of that stuff. I don't need to see the Garrus cameo. I don't need it. I, I agree pretty much. Uh, I would like to see maybe – I mean you're going to see Asari, which would be cool. It would be cool to see one character. Here's a nod to the last game, but that's it. The problem with a sequel is that they're going to run into, well, everybody picked a different ending. Which ending is canon? Who's alive? Who's dead? You know, Because Mass Effect 3 doesn't store your save data. So I'm willing to bet if you get a sequel, if we get a sequel, which is what a lot of people are leaning towards, uh, you're going to get uh, you know, Old Republic, New Republic sort of thing. Uh, it's going to be a generation or three later. Um, I, I would agree with you. I would agree. And with you. even then, that's still 
you know, given given the drastic difference, at least in the implications of Mass Effect 3's endings, uh, they, they got a little bit of explaining to do. They got so, some explaining to do. But cautiously optimistic. At least it'll be fun to play. All right. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV service has come to an end with a really nifty trailer. Uh, so if you were playing Final Fantasy XIV, which maybe, uh, you are no longer playing it. This is a terrible lead-in. But yeah, they basically have taken it down in anticipation of the, the the big giant overhaul of the game coming next sometime next year. I don't think they have a a date, but the the beta starts in January February. I think they just said early. Yeah, uh, I, I think sometime around then. I think they and, just said early. And proving what we all already knew, the cutscene that ended it was fantastic. It was very exciting and dramatic, and not at all something I would associate with an MMO. But well, again, let's... that's my bias coming in. Let's see what they do with that game. Uh, you know, uh, you couldn't really screw up an MMO more than Final Fantasy fourteen. So, you know, let's let's see. A lot of people really like the the Square Enix MMOs. So there you go. Uh, 12, 11 was a if you like MMOs, twelve was good. It was a little grindy, but it had a really it had the Square Enix production value. Wait, we're, we're talking about twelve now. Eleven. Oh, okay. You said 12. I, I, I said twelve, but I meant eleven. Okay, thank God, because twelve sucks. Moving on. So we're going to give a little nod to John here. Uh, Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden sequel announced. Woohoo! The first one was awesome. I got to play that. Oh, really? John mentioned it last time. It's the post-cyberpocalypse. That game was it was awesome. Uh, and they're running a Kickstarter for it. Uh, I don't necessarily know if I would donate to that Kickstarter. But, I mean, the first one was was fun. And, I mean, it was a, it was a, a decent game on top of being a funny concept. So, you know. Good news for everybody there. Uh, by the time this is out, I mean, it's already out. Uh, Elmanage Original, which was picked up by UFO Interactive and announced nowhere, uh, is now out on PlayStation Portable uh, for $15. Uh, I am actually playing it now for review. Uh, if you like Etrian Odyssey and Wizardry, uh, it will probably up your alley, except that the translation is terrible. Uh, and not even finished in most cases. Uh, I've encountered Japanese text a couple of times in the game, which that's no problem for me. But for the person who is buying it and doesn't speak Japanese, I would be a little bit frustrated. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, just in time for the holidays, Exceed is releasing or re-releasing the last story. It doesn't have all the nifty stuff that came with it, uh, but it's $39.99. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That's how much the current package is. Uh, but they're re-releasing it for twenty nine ninety nine, and it's a pretty polarizing game. I'm enjoying it so far, but if you want an RPG for your Wii that is not Xenoblade, you know, if you've ever actually finished that, because that game is never ending, uh, then good gotta, timing to buy it now. I gotta play it. I'm I'm still in the middle of beating Hitman, but uh, I think I'm either gonna go to that or Okami HD. So I don't, I don't know how you'll feel about uh, Last Story. I mean. It doesn't feel super janky, but on the other hand, I could see you hating it because I thought you would. I thought you would have liked uh, the job system version of twelve, but eh. I, I don't know. It, 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 it has a lot of cool ideas. Uh, we've talked about it before, so I don't want to. Okay, it. maybe we'll talk about it again sometime. Yeah, like I, I probably will finish it because it's it feels very different. Well, and it's also supposed to be pretty short, right? We're talking about like a twenty-hour RPG, which fits in a little bit more with our lifestyles at this point in time. Yes. You know, so it's a little bit easier to find 20 hours to play a game than it is like 80, hello, Xenoblade. And, and so far, there's not a whole lot of cruft in the game. It's not like, all right, wander town for an hour, finding out where you have to go next. It's, all right, go, all right, go, go, go. 
So I, I think there's a certain segment of humans out there who will enjoy the last story, but we'll see what happens when I finish it. Uh, next story. Uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 will be free on Vita in February. That's the Japanese version, sadly. Not the, well, sadly, if you don't speak Japanese and live in Japan and have a Japanese Vita. So, <laughs> most of us. Uh, I want that game. It, it, it's fun, dude. I'm telling you. I, I I just got a Vita, and I can't wait for it to get here, because I'll be playing Fantasy Star Online 2 on it. Or on PC, probably, which is more I like... I want but that game. It, they've really been supporting it well. Uh with Fantasy Star Universe, I played that when it first came out when there was, like, nothing in it. And that game you had paid full price for. Fantasy Star Online 2 launched with not a ton of stuff in it, but it was also free. And they've been releasing stuff at a pretty fast clip. So hopefully when it gets here, you'll see there's a ton of content. And uh, the Vita version is you can download it for free if you want, or there'll be a, a paid physical copy that comes with a bunch of costumes and goodies and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're into cool games... That is something you might want to look into. Uh, another game announced recently was uh, Seventh. Sorry, I'm laughing at the title. Uh, Seventh Dragon 2022, as in what? 2020 Part Two, not 2022. Okay. Uh, that is, um, if you've played Etrian Odyssey, it's kind of in the similar vein to that. It's like a turn-based first-person RPG. The first one was on PSP. Wait, no, sorry. The first one was on DS, and then that was Seventh Dragon. And then Seventh Dragon 2020, which takes place in 2020, uh, was on PSP. This new one is on. Wow, we don't know. PSP. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> Anyways, well, well done, Stephen. You are fired from the news. Hey, I'm doing all right. This is the first time I've done this. You were doing all right. But all right, yeah, keep going. Uh, it's gonna have new classes and all that stuff, and Yuzo Koshiro is doing the music, so. If you like awesome music, it will be a thing for you to check out. Uh, and that's all I got. All right. That's it for news. That's that's it for news. The, the the Walking Dead was out. Black Friday happened. Thanksgiving was the other day. It's almost Christmas. Yep. I need to figure out how I'm going to beat The Walking Dead. Yeah. I, I need to figure that out, too, because, you know, replaying sequences I've done 500 times is certainly not going to help. Yeah, I know. I, I need to. I need to finish it. I just haven't. Ha I just haven't had a chance to. So. Yeah. I'll also, please, developers, I don't care who you are or what kind of game you have. Stop not letting us save. I would 100% agree with you on just that one. Stop. We King's Quest One came out in like '86, and you could save anywhere. That feature should have never left. Dude, I'm I'm telling you, nothing beats Hitman and having you use a checkpoint, and then when you restart a checkpoint, yeah, all the enemies you killed are back. <laughs> that, that 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 just what the the, 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 the did. like that that is just like wow. Okay, Dishonored got this right. What's wrong with you guys? Like, hmm. All right. Uh, anywho, as always, thank you everybody for listening to Random Encounter. Uh, if you would like to give us reviews on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. Also, make sure to drop us lines on the message board. We love to read comments and we love to answer questions. So, Unless uh, your comments or questions are that I did a terrible job with news, in which case do not comment. Yeah, don't be mean to Steven. All right. Oh, you can be mean to me. Just don't comment on my lackluster news. I would agree. All right. Thanks again. See you all later. Good night.